Welcome to Together for Salem. This is episode 76. You get this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, we're a church in Salem for Salem, inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. And we're starting a new series called You Can. So without any further ado, we're going to head downstairs and see how you can. tried to be a good Christian or maybe you've you've tried to follow Jesus but you found the the Christian life just to be too difficult in this up and down experience uh you know what guys this just feels like a a pretty weighty subject for this episode and I just honestly I don't know if I'm mature enough to handle this one so maybe I need a few years on me hold on oh that's better well, have you ever tried to be a good Christian and found living the Christian life to be difficult and up and down experience, perhaps, dad, or dad, not all that dad, it was hyped up to be? Do I at least but, have my glasses back? I guess. Thank you. All right. These my own old glasses. So, have you ever tried to be a good Christian? Found that living the Christian life was difficult. It was kind of an up and down experience for you. Uh, not all that it was hyped up to be. Maybe even seemed unattainable to you. Or the religion you were exposed to uh, turned you off, uh, maybe even big time. Perhaps that's because Christianity is often presented as what you should do. Christianity is often presented as what you should do. Um, all man's religions are the same. They're all spelled D-O, do. It's about what you ought to do or what you cannot do, rule following. And we may try to keep the rules, but often we find it difficult, if not impossible. Ever feel hemmed in or stifled or controlled uh, so that all you want to do is just find a way out? If you have ever been frustrated trying to be a good Christian, perhaps this is why. I'll say it right here. Being a Christian is not just difficult. It's downright impossible. It's not just frustrating. It's impossible. You cannot be a Christian on your own. It's impossible to live the Christian life on your own. No one ever lived the perfect Christian life except Jesus Christ himself. And here's the good news. Jesus did live the, good, the perfect Christian life. He never sinned. He never disappointed his Father in heaven. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose again to give us the gift of eternal life. You can't earn it through self-effort, good works, self-improvement. It's a gift of God. So Christianity is not like the other religions. Following Jesus is not about what you should or should not do. Rather, it's about who you can be. We don't develop this new life by being good, turning over a new leaf, turning our life around, improving the way we behave. We don't develop this new life in Jesus. We just accept it. It's not about what we can do or cannot do. Rather, it's about who we are. It's not a new set of rules that we follow. It's a new identity that we accept and follow. For the one who has received eternal life, it's really a matter of becoming who we already are in Jesus. In his letter to the Jesus followers in Corinth, Paul told them they were now new creatures. And this is who you are if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You're a new creature. Uh, 
In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So you're a brand new Christian. When we come to Jesus, he doesn't just improve the old person. He makes us into a brand new person. And he gives us a purposeful, full, and meaningful life that starts now and lasts for eternity. But are we living the new Christian life? Are we living the new creation, the new person that he's made us to be? Are we experiencing and enjoying the new life that Jesus offers? And if not, what can we do about it? Well, this is the issue Paul deals with in his letter to the uh, Jesus followers in the city of Ephesus. He explains how they can live free from the old way of life without Jesus and live like the new creatures as he's, he's made them to be. His words are as helpful and impactful today as they were then in his own time. And many of the Jesus followers in Ephesus, you see, were, were living like, like those who didn't know Jesus at all. And let me just read this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Jesus' followers were walking like the Gentiles, like the unbelievers. He says, in the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. So Paul encourages them to stop. Walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk. He says it's a head problem stemming from the futility of their mind. Futility of the mind. Useless, ineffective thinking. He describes it as darkened understanding, godlessness, ignorance of the things of God because of the hardness of their heart. The hard hearts are those hearts that are not open to God. They're resistant to the spiritual things that he wants to give them. And consequently, in this passage, we see they're a law unto themselves with no solid moral or ethical guidelines, giving themselves over to sensuality and every kind of impurity, he says, with greediness. In other words, they couldn't get enough of it. It's a bleak picture, isn't it? But it's not just them, those without God, who can fall into this futile way of thinking and living, this ineffective way of thinking and living. Paul's writing to Jesus' followers, and he says in verse 17, So this I say, and affirm with the Lord, that you walk no longer, as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. And remember what Paul said to the Corinthians earlier. Um, we are new creatures. Jesus' followers are new creatures in Christ. And so if we're a new creation in Jesus, why do we struggle with the old life? It's, it's that old way of futile, destructive, ineffective thinking that keeps us from being all that God has created us to be. Our big problem in the Christian life is really our head. Our struggle is the mind. It's faulty thinking. We might even call it stinking thinking. 
even though you know we may have received Christ and we're born again, uh, we could be missing out on the full life that God has for us because of wrong thinking when it comes to who we are in Christ and what it means to follow Him. We need to know Jesus and who we are in Him if we're going to experience and enjoy the new life that He has for us. So how can we experience the full life in Jesus in a world system that's opposed to Him? Well, in Ephesians 4, verse 20, we read this. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, then in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The new life requires we come to know Jesus personally. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. Not you did not learn about Christ in this way. You did not learn Christ. We can know about someone without really knowing them, right? It's more than just head knowledge about him, about his death and his resurrection. It's a personal relationship with a living, resurrected, life-giving person. That's what we need. When you place your trust in the fact that it is he who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, the sins that you've committed and the sins that you will commit in your life, that's when you're born again. That's when you become a new creation in God and receive the gift of eternal life. The new life first requires that we come to know him personally. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. There's an old painting of Jesus standing at a door and he's knocking. Maybe you recall that painting. And uh, he's knocking on the door with one hand. He's got a lantern in the other hand because he is the, the light of the world, right? But if you look closely, there's no knob on the outside of the door. There's no latch on the outside. It has to be open from the inside. That's what we need to do. We need to invite Jesus into our lives. And the new life first requires that we come to know him personally by inviting him in. So have you ever received him, trusted him for your own salvation? If, you, if so, you have the new life in you. His life is in, within you. He lives in you. This is the first step. Growth and understanding begin from here and continue for, through the rest of our lives until we meet him face to face in eternity. Now, the question is, how do we grow and experience this new life on a daily basis? Well, first, the new life requires that we put off the old self. Paul says it in verse 22, as I've read earlier. He said this, he said, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in, the accord, in accordance with the lusts of deceit. So we need to lay aside the old self. And um, <clears throat> the former manner of life, lay aside the former manner of life and the old self. The former manner of life that he's referring to is, is life without God. Uh, if you have God, don't have God in the picture, that means we're living for ourselves. What we want, when we want it. Without God in the picture, we have to provide for ourselves, protect ourselves, defend our own egos. Uh, we're alone on our own. We have no idea that there's any alternative. 
No idea that there's a God who loves us, who wants the best for us, who wants to save us from all of this, to protect, to provide, and, uh, and now and forever. So when we worry about things, we're living that former manner of life before we knew Jesus. When we respond with anger, especially when we let the sun go down on our anger, uh, we're picking up the old former manner of life. When we give into temptation, the old self, when we step on or over others for our own good, that's the old self. When we flip off the guy on the freeway, that's the old self. When we yell at our kids, well, maybe now I'm getting a little, uh, maybe I'm meddling now, and maybe I'm over the line, but you get the point, right? Paul says, and he affirms with the Lord, he says, lay aside the old self. You no longer have to live that way. You're a new person. That's where we need a mind change and transformation, really. The second thing we see is that the new life requires a new way of thinking. And verse 23, he says this, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Believing in who he is and who we are in him makes all the difference in the world. And uh, you can live the life that God has created for you. He's given you all that you need. He's equipped you. He's empowered you to live the new life in Jesus. And so, who are you in Jesus? That's the question. And Paul has really explained who we are in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1. And actually, my favorite passage in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 1, my favorite chapter. And the reason is because he tells us who we are in Christ. And our standing, our position in Christ is so important. And here's what he says in Ephesians 1. He says, <clears throat> uh, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ. We are called the faithful ones in Christ. He says, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What does that entail? Man, that's got to be a lot, right? In the heavenly places, in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you know that you are chosen? We've been chosen by him before the world was even founded. And, um, and that we would be holy and blameless before him. And so he sees us as holy. He sees us as blameless because we are in Christ. He says we've been uh, predestined to the adoption uh, as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glory. We are adopted sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And he freely bestowed on us in the beloved his grace. And so we have been graced by him, loved by him, gifted by him. In him, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus, forgiveness of our trespasses. All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. He says, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. What a great word that is. <laughs> he lavished his grace upon us and his forgiveness upon us. He says, um, that in him also we have obtained the inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose. 
And so we are called, we are predestined according to the purpose of God. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And so we've been sealed in him. We cannot be unsealed once we're sealed. That's a, an important concept. And so that's who we are in Jesus. It's a picture of the new you. It's a picture of the new me. If we'll believe what God tells us about our position, it'll change the way we live. And so here's how this works. When we fail and fall, we feel guilty. And, and uh, we, we can have thoughts like, man, I'm really a bad person. I'll never measure up. I'll never be able to please God. Does that ever go through your mind, <laughs> those kinds of things? The truth is that we are loved. We're forgiven children of God. There's nothing that, that he doesn't already know about us. And if there's nothing he doesn't already know about us, there's nothing he could ever find out about us that would cause him to love us less. He's loved us so much that he gave us his own son to die on the cross for us. And so um, that's how much he loves us. It's all about what we choose to believe. Our choice is to believe the lie or to believe the truth. The world says there's no God. That's the lie, right? Or that if there is a God, he doesn't care about us. That was Satan's lie to Adam and Eve. That's the futility of the mind, the darkened understanding, the former manner of life, the ineffective way of thinking, the old self. He says to lay it aside. And thirdly, the new life requires that we put on the new self and choose it day by day. We can be given, a, we can be given a, a new set of clothes, but if they're just hanging in the closet, they do us absolutely no good, right? We need to put them on, and so we need to put Christ on. We need to put on the new life on a daily basis. A couple of examples might, might help. There's a story of, I don't know if this is true. I, I, th I think I heard this that it was true. <laughs> and so I'm going to tell it as though it were true, okay? Because it really could be. There was a, uh, a fellow that just got out of prison. And he went to church his first Sunday because he became a Christian in prison. And he went to church his first Sunday and he's sitting there and he's listening to the pastor. But on the wall next to him, there's the Ten Commandments listed there. And um, he's looking at those Ten Commandments and he goes, ah, I broke that one. And he's starting to feel guilty. Ah, I broke that one. Uh, that shall not bear false witness. I broke that one. Thou shalt not steal broke that one. And he's just feeling really bad. And then he's listening to what the pastor is saying. The pastor said something about who he is in Christ, who we are in Christ, that we have Christ living in us. And he began to look at it differently. He said, wait a minute. Those aren't rules and regulations. If Christ is living in me, those are promises. Thou shalt not steal. If Christ is living in me, thou shalt not bear false promises witness. I won't bear false witness because Christ is living in me. All I need to do is live in Christ. <laughs> and that's the way it works, right? I think that's just a great illustration. I don't know about you, but I think that's a great illustration. So here's an example. The Bible says that I'm forgiven of all my sins and accepted by God, but I don't always feel forgiven. I don't always feel accepted. Well, you won't feel it until you choose to believe it. And so believing your way into feeling rather than feeling your way into believing 
is what we need. Believe your way into feeling rather than feeling your way into believing. Here's a little illustration that helped Diane and me when we were uh, new believers. And the biblical truth that it portrays has been one of those main touchstones of our 52-year journey of faith. And, and so um, what it is, is there's this, this train. Here's a, a little booklet from Campus Crusade. It's, uh, have you made the wonderful discovery of the spirit-filled life? And in the back, <clears throat> there's this train illustration. <laughs> the engine is facts of God's word. The coal car represents our faith and the caboose represents our feelings. And it says this, don't depend on feelings. The promise of God's word, the promises of God's word, not our feelings is our authority. The Christian lives by faith, trust in the trustworthiness of God himself and his word. And so this train diagram illustrates that relationship among fact, his word, faith, our trust in God and his word, and feelings, which really are the result of our faith and obedience in, in God. And so the train will run without the caboose, but it won't run without the engine. And as long as we're throwing our coal or our faith into the engine, we're moving down the tracks. But if we start throwing our coal or our faith into the caboose, we go nowhere. So don't live your Christian life by pouring your faith into your feelings. You go nowhere. That's that ineffective worldly thinking, that former way of life that Paul talks about, that we're to put off the old man and put on the new. Put your faith in God and his word. So imagine what your life could be if you learned to trust um, your position rather than your condition. Let me say that again. Imagine what your life would be if you could learn to trust your position in Christ rather than your condition in this world. Our condition changes from day to day, right? Some day things are going, days things are going well. Some days things aren't so well. Some days the kids are acting up. Some days they're not. So that's our condition. But our position in Christ will never change. And so where are we going to put our faith? Well, here's how it works. In Matthew, Jesus is recording and saying, don't be anxious for your life as to what you will wear, what you will eat, what you will drink. God cares for the lilies of the field and for the birds of the air, and he'll care for you also. And that's my paraphrase. But And, and get this. He says, don't worry then saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Uh, for your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So don't worry about tomorrow, he says. Tomorrow will care for itself. So the idea is this. Trust in your position. You're a child of God. He loves you. He cares for you. He's aware of your needs. He'll meet your needs. So why worry? We have a choice. We can either worry or we can trust. We can either put our trust in our trust and our faith in our feelings, our condition, how we're feeling today, or in uh, the truth of God's word. Here's how it works. Here's another example. Our bank account's low, so my job doesn't pay enough to make the ends meet. So that's my condition. Am I going to fret and stew over this? Am I going to let my feelings run my life? Am I going to steal to make ends meet? Or am I going to believe God? Am I going to place my faith in, the, in my position and the truth of his word? If I put my faith, my trust in my feelings, I'm defeated. If in the facts of God's word and my position in Jesus, I'm victorious. 
I've exercised my faith in God and his word, and I've become stronger in my faith. And so what about when I sin, when I disobey God or hurt another person? Again, put your faith in the truth of God's word, not in your feelings. So John, the Apostle John in 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we just simply need to believe it. We need to accept it as true. We need to confess our sin and move on in confidence. That's putting our faith in the facts of God's word rather than in our feelings. So how can we grow our faith? Well, by exercising it. This is a lifelong process, but we ought, we ought to see progress, right? I hope you're seeing progress in your life. You should be able to see a difference between the old person that you were without Jesus and the new person that you are in him. We ought to be able to relate to the old country preacher who, who said, I ain't what I wanna be, and I ain't what I'm gonna be, but I praise God that I ain't what I used to be. Well, thanks, Dad. Uh, we decided to um, take off the old man and put on the new. And uh, anyway, so for the next few weeks, as we continue this You Can series, we'll talk about how you can become the new creation in Christ, how you can work with the Holy Spirit to become who you were created to be. Now, in a week, we're going to have another on-site gathering, and we're excited to see you there. And if you are new, to watching and being a part of Together for Salem, go ahead and fill out the welcome site. What is, it's not a form, what is, is it a form? And if you are new, we would love to get to know you. Just fill out what is right here at this link. You're getting really close. Yeah. <laughs> You're almost there, We're so close. We would love to get to know who you are. And so follow this link and fill out the form that you find there and we will send you a free e-gift card. So until next week, hope you have a good one and um, keep it breezy, Salem. And if you're new to this uh, Together for Salem community, we would love to get to know who you are. And so just click this link. You can't click it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you look over there anymore. <laughs>